creature that's been alive for over 3,000 years is in this town. And it's brought death with it. We've got to run it down. Cinematic Fantastic. Fatu, Barada, Nikto. I'll show you who I am and what I am. Bitten by a werewolf and lives, becomes a werewolf himself. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to the Cinematic Fantastic Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Weatherford. And your other host, William Weatherford. Get ready for opinions, dad jokes, and bad jokes. As we watch and review sci-fi and fantasy films from the classics of yesteryear to the new favorites of today. Welcome back, listeners, to episode 39 of Cinematic Fantastic. Tonight we're going to talk about... Uh, we're gonna, a TikTok trend. <laughs> no, in a moment. We're, we're going to talk about mainly the movie The Mummy's Tomb, uh, 1942. Is that right? 1942? Uh, yep. Okay. We're not in 43 yet. I think that, that we have the next movie to go before we get in 43. Okay. So what William is talking about is he said TikTok trend. Let me explain. I'm not a big... Can you start that as if you said it real quick? <laughs> as if you brought it up real quick? Oh, uh, William. Yeah? I wonder if you know about this TikTok trend going around that has to do with subject matter of our movie. Uh, no, I do not. It's not where somebody, like, has a challenge for, you know, Lou Gehrig's disease or something where they wrap themselves in toilet paper or gauze or something. It's not anything like like about a mummy, but it's called The Pharaoh's Curse. Now, okay. there is supposedly, I don't know if it's from a Mario game or whatever, but it's a, it's a game where they have, like, Egyptian kind of music because it's like a sand level or desert level or something, and they play these notes okay and uh is it a shifting sand line? it could be i it's highly likely this sounds really see i did you notice i didn't do a lot of research for this but i'm just saying i think that you're right but yeah i think i have seen this one before it's the guy who's blowing a cinnamon out of yes it's these guys that did the cinnamon challenge and basically it's like oh they shouldn't re- there's some kind of um spongebob i think episode or something like that where or maybe it was a no, it was Cat Dog or some other Nickelodeon cartoon, whatever. It was not Cat Dog. It was Courage, the Cowardly Dog. And supposedly they they removed a slab from a, a a Pharaoh's tomb, and then he got the Pharaoh's curse. And so they kept saying that that this that whoever is doing the challenge where they're spitting the sand out or whatever the sand quote that it's that it's the Pharaoh. They shouldn't. They'll say something like shouldn't have removed that slab, eh? Return the slab. What? Return the slab. Or suffer my curse. And then, um, and they'll play the little thing. It's like, and also, some the one guy was actually he goes over to a uh, sanitizer thing, and it does the sanitizer pump, and sand comes out of the sanitizer. Yeah, okay, you put it in there, in there, yeah. but. I think it was a tweet that said uh, that that was uh, replying upon the clip that said "Bro got the fa- uh, the Pharaoh's curse." Yeah, sa- supposedly sand coming out of the guys. It's cinnamon. He's doing the cinnamon challenge, or, or like you know, it looks like sand. And by dust. the way, to clarify two things: one, TikTok challenges don't do literally any challenges. It's literally escalated to the point of theft of bathroom items from schools. So it's stupid. It, it's whatever dumb. you do, if you see a child or having a TikTok. At all, just at any point. Just, they shouldn't have them. Yeah, I, no. I, I hate, I hate. Tr- they, they might risk their lives trying to balance on weird things or bridge ledges or do something really stupid. And then, secondly, rest in peace, Twitter. It's now called X. Uh, 
and tweets are now called X's. I, I really don't. Okay. Best decision by Elon Musk ever, but we're glancing by that. No. <laughs> Was that the best decision Elon Musk has ever had? I thought. You know, no, it's not. I think the best decision he ever had was he i think i think you put a car it's a, flat and generic and it's it's honestly, it's terrible i don't know how it can bounce it back sounds back. like uh, a placeholder you know like when you have like a placeholder image and you'll be like oh we'll put something in there later it just seems like somebody took it's literally a common font is their logo i, I heard that that his son okay here's the deal his son has a really weird i think his, his son's name or his daughter's name is pronounced like x or something but it's but it's the letters are weird and they spell a e c a x s e 12 look i don't know i didn't do a lot of research on elon musk for this episode but i I think his son and his daughter have a weird name and a weird spelling or something and that's where he's just that obsessed yeah i what i was gonna say is the best thing that he ever did was uh was put a car in orbit and that was yeah that's about the the height of it um but yeah i was thinking about the pharaoh's curse you know and you know removing a slab or or doing something that that a, a stupid curse is carried on generations after somebody did something. It's like, you know, it, 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 this, this carries on into this movie. Cause you know, this guy, we, we've already, we've already met him, but this guy, you know, he violates the sanctity of the, the Pharaoh's tomb or sarcophagus or whatever in Egypt. And then he just goes, okay, bye. And he goes on his merry way and the and next generation is a bunch of films. Yes, and the next generation, the curse is visited upon them, and even people that are tangentially, you know, kind of so- sort of not rela- connected to the main person. It's like, uh, did you say hi to somebody on the on you know on the uh, when you're walking down the street? Well, psh- well, the curse is. Pa- I'm going to come after them too. Yeah, we'll explain this in detail when we get to uh, the plot. But this right, right now, we're going to talk about the uh, the actual movie, The Mummy's Tomb. Spawned from the depths of doom comes the most fearful monster of the ages to strike with paralyzing terror the despoilers of ancient tombs. Here is new horror by the master of menace, Lon Chaney as the mummy, with Dick Foran, John Hubbard, Ellis Knox, George Zuko, Wallace Ford, Turon Bay, in The Mummy's Tomb. Or as I describe it, today we're doing the Mummy's Hand DLC, basically. Right, the Mummy's Hand. It is kind of directly connected to the Mummy's Hand because you have some characters. It's the Mummy's Hand downloadable content. <laughs> you buy it for five or six or, I don't know, seven bucks. You play one, it's an extra little mission, little side quest, and then you're really over with it. It's an extra skin. Wow. <laughs> so that that kind of encapsulates what you think about this movie, I guess. But, um, well, Because to- yeah, it feel like it's just the same thing, but... But they're they're doing the same thing. So it's kind of like the the Force Awakens because look, you you wait thirty years after the events of the original situation happened, and then the first thing you do when you introduce these old characters that we well in the case of Star Wars we've really liked them, and then you go up oh, spoiler killed killed them off. You know you get these characters and you bring well, them back just Spirit to kill just them. Killed them off by you know rebooting the entire series. And, oh my goodness, you know. yeah. Well, th- there's reboots to be had, but at least at least with Mummy's hand. But I feel yeah. like Force Awakens was handled better. This again. Do you want to start with some of the gripes? Okay, sure. First of all, 
as I described in the last episode, this movie is like a cross between the previous movie and the ape. Because this is basically, the mummy gets shipped to the US of A and kills people, the movie. Yeah. He, Why? He's, a, he's also a... Really? He's a hench person. He's a goon for this guy, Mehmet Bey, played by Turhan Bey, who really, hey, he's he's great in this. Turhan Bey is great in this. He really is. He's, he does, does a good job. But it, that's basically the same thing they did last time. Yeah, but okay, but, well... Okay, but but thing is, and Andoheb, Andoheb, and wait, so Andoheb, yeah. So wait, that's true. Andoheb was like placing. Uh, if you if you guys haven't seen the Mummy's uh, Hand, definitely go watch it. Watch our previous uh, review on that to get more information on the plot on this. But Andoheb, the priest, didn't he put like Tana fluid or whatever near where he where he wanted somebody to kill? be killed is that right am i remembering that wrong or right uh, he would no well, it, how did it how did it, how did he get the the mummy chorus uh played by tom tyler in that how did he get him to go kill different he people fed him tana leaves and just said sick him right you know just, well he does that in this movie too movie. yeah but i to be honest i mean did you could you really tell that it was lon chaney underneath the makeup i mean with with okay all right let's let's put it this way it, okay let me give my little gripe in the wolfman you see Lon Chaney, and he gets to act with his face, right? He gets to he gets to you know read lines or, or or sorry act whatever you want to call that, and then he then they put the wolf makeup on him, and and it looks you can still tell it a little bit that it's Lon Chaney underneath the makeup, but it's a a, a transformation with uh and then with Ghost of Frankenstein, you can still it's half and half. He is very flat. Well it's, well, it's half and half. What I'm saying is is you can still see Lon Chaney's. I mean, okay, whatever you feel about the acting, you can still see Lon Chaney's face. And he then he's got the forehead. So you're like, oh, I can see Lon Chaney's face. In the mummy, I can't tell that's Lon Chaney whatsoever. Now that doesn't, that's not a, you know, oh, wow. Yeah, the mummy looks terrible. Well. Like the, the lower lip, like the patch oh, okay. that nose too, just, oh, he looks like a prune. He does look, he well, like he does look like a prune and even more, even more like a prune than even um, Boris Karloff did in, in the original mummy. I mean, he looked pretty wrinkly, but this one, it. Well, yeah, but this dude he is, is a literal prune. I mean, Tom Tyler was much more suited for the role. Oh, Tom Tyler's eyes. Okay, prune. okay, let's look. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have Jack Pierce on this, uh, but the thing is, Lon Chaney Jr. actually didn't like this movie because... Uh, um, that you could say that about each one of the movies that... The any of the movies that, that Lon Chaney is in, where he's in makeup, there's always some, you know, production note or somewhere. It's, he hates it. He had a love-hate relationship with Yeah, the, he did. He got general. typecast a little bit. And they, w- and they wouldn't... They, if you notice that on the poster, it says Lon Chaney. Where's the junior? Right? They never threw out the junior until way later. And that was uh, when Lon Chaney Jr. was sort of... Uh, he sort of also had that against Universal. He, he's but, been compared to his like, father. They're using still, his father's name. Right? That's like if you were... You know, if you were Jason Weatherford Jr., right? And they kept saying you were Jason Weatherford and I was dead or something. And so they're, they're, wait, that's very morbid. What I'm trying to say is Lon Chaney was known for playing those roles if people, people may be still alive that remembered Lon Chaney movies when they were little, right? At that time that, that Lon Chaney Jr. was around. So you have Lon Chaney. They're going to think of his father. But if you put Junior on there, he can kind of carve out his own thing. You know, he can be like known for himself, but it's just he's Lon Chaney. I, I think he wanted to be known for himself and not necessarily connected to his father too, too much. He was inspired by his father, but he didn't want to be like dragging that whole legacy around. You know, it's it's a it's a big it's a big pressure on the guy. You know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't care. 
that the fire he quote died in last movie distorted his features. Are you he saying doesn't look so? so you're, it, it doesn't matter yeah, okay, that he just well, got distorted, and so his upper lip and his nose is squashed and stuff. Is that, that the excuse they're matter. giving that yeah, his face looks excuse. different? D- okay, now wait a minute. Yes, they use the do they use so the same excuse? With Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein's monster, because he gets his face burned up and horribly scarred as he quote dies at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein. Go watch, and it turns him into Bela so Lugosi, well. like it shortens him by a foot. I suspect so. that's not very nice to Bela Lugosi. That's saying that yeah, your your face is just a yeah. melted, burned up Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> Speaking of which, also for long shots in this movie, we had to do with a stunt double with a rubber mask. You think that looks good? No, <laughs> looks like a hobgoblin. Oh my goodness! <laughs> or like a ra- like a like, like a, a raisin that you put a bunch of flour like flour powder on. Because this is no- what is his nose doing? Just like that? Okay. Is he like I, but after we after we finish tight? after we finish talking about this and everything? I want you to show me. I want to go back and look at the movie again and see if I can pick out the scenes where. It's the stunt double. Oh, wait, no. I In the fire, wait, the fire scenes, they used a stunt double, right? In some of the fire scenes where they're hitting him. Yeah, yeah it looks like a mask. So. Yes, it looks it looks bad. But what that tells me is it, it, it well, look, look I don't regardless. hate the makeup he has. I don't think it does Lon Chaney Jr., I'm going to call him, Lon Chaney Jr. any favors. It really doesn't. But why is that it, lower like, lip? Because he's so sad. He's just sad moving. He's just constantly like. Well, look, look. If you had this guy, okay, this Egyptian guy, all right, telling, you know, controlling your mind and telling you you had to go kill certain people, right? And then he's like, fine, I'll do that. But then, and we'll talk about this during the plot part, but he goes like, and then I want you to, this is unrelated, Karis. I want you to go grab me this woman. Keep her alive. Don't kill. And he's like, I'm not going to kill. And he's like, you got to get this woman that I'm really into. Carry her you're, with both of your arms. You're totally, you're totally yeah, you're totally shriv- shriveled arm. Well, yeah, yeah one of his right arms arm is shriveled up. Work. And it, that, in fact, when some people do the mummy acting or whatever, they like, you know, dress up like the mummy and like, oh, I'm to pretend to be the mummy. They always take their hand and put it all kind of shriveled up against their chest. And they put the other one out and reach out with it. That's the choking hand. That's the choking hand that he would choke out people with. And then he drags a foot behind him. That's that's the mummy. You always had to drag a foot. There's no, you know, the only time I saw like mummies that were running was in the 1999 The Mummy movie, which is pretty good. Um, and there's some mummy guys that are kind of running after the main character. And they're, they're, the, the special effects are a little bit dated, you know, for now. But at the time, they were pretty good. And they're, it's fun. It's a fun, it's a really, really fun movie. And that's the thing is, is this movie where, okay, whereas the previous movie had some fun elements, like it tried to be fun, right? On purpose, especially with uh, um, Wallace Ford uh, playing Babe, uh, is it Jansen? He was Babe Jansen. It was ba- Babe, no, Jensen, ba- Babe Hansen. I, that didn't make sense. I think they were like, movie. you guys remember that other movie, right? No? You can't go watch it again and you didn't take notes? Okay, great. He's Babe Hansen. Like, what? So, uh, but anyway, at least he was kind of jokey. And Babe Hansen, though, he's an older guy. He's he's humor. He has no humor. He's, he kind of looks like a, a Theodore Roosevelt. You know, an older Theodore Roosevelt, you know? He's kind of... But yeah, the, he... The mummy is a freaking vegetable. He is a freaking Yeah, there's, vegetable, no, there's no... There's no real personality. The only time he really shows personality to me is when the... Um, is when uh, Mehmet Bey, uh, played by Turhan Bey, the, 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 the Egyptian guy, he, he says, I want you to go after this woman and go kidnap her and bring her back. And he's like, 
And he look you look at Lon Chaney. He's acting though. He's like, no, bro, bro, no, I'm not. Mm, I'm gonna choke you out. He's like, I'm gonna choke you. And he's like, no, no, you're not. You're gonna go get this woman. And he's just like, he's like, I'm not gonna do it. And that's the only time you really see him like show any personality. And that's yeah, but it's it's not like we. Care do you think too it's kind of devolving anyway. into it, it, it kind of a? It, it is a grim. It's a grim. Uh, movie humorless it's a humorless movie but you have to kind of watch if you're watching it there's some scenes where you'll be like unintentionally laughing you know like with the whole thing where they're like i saw this shadow there's a, a shadow i'm like well let's investigate that you saw a shadow oh and then first of all right exactly the right window right looking into the right window. i don't remember that uh, but speaking of intentionally, to return to a point I made like eight okay. or nine minutes no, or yeah, so go ago, ahead. it's been delayed a little. This is the mummy gets shipped to the USA yep. and kills people in the movie. Like, the mummy doesn't belong in Wisconsin. There are no I think it's Massachusetts. Ever, what You would think this place takes place. Or is it Connecticut? A, I can't remember. Where is Mapleton? It's, it takes place in the, the nice you know town of Mapleton, which has farm farms in it. It has farms in it. There's horses. The beautiful rural, rural, yeah, I love that word, rural. rural. Yeah, it's Mapleton. I don't, I don't I know. Hate the word I don't know fact. where is Mapleton. But, um, you would think, based on the title of this movie, that this movie takes place maybe in you know, right a, a tomb. But no, it takes place in America. Yeah, it takes place in Merca. I have a uh, one Just word for why? you: cash. It it costs it costs less money to film on some areas, some locations that. Universal already had. They were like, we have these other, we filmed other movies on these other sets with farms and small towns. Let's use that. They were trying to, they were. Yeah, and since this is a B movie, they were used a lot of different sets. And just, I, I do feel like it's sort of harmonizing with more with the ape in my mind because you have, of course, many scenes in this movie that are reminiscent of a that. creature you know, the in the dark. Yeah. The woods Killing people. Stuff, back and forth, just doing barely anything. Like what? Did the ape kill? Yeah, like, but the two the people? mummy though killed how many? Four, five? A good a good amount. Well, yeah, yeah, but still, it was a good amount, but that not like super much in the movie. Like the mummy isn't that threatening in this well, movie because, uh, as we've described, all he really does is shamble around, choke, run people, really fast. You'll be fine. Face. Don't sit there and do, don't sit there and or put your hand up and go, oh, oh no, you know, as as the shadow comes on to you, run, just run. You'll be all right. Yeah, but there is only. One death, and I have counted one death in the entire first half of the movie. That is thirty minutes without. Yeah, the the first death, death is unfortunately death. my my attention span. The first death, and and that's because they <laughs> did another thing to save uh money on this movie. Yeah, the first yeah. fifteen whole minutes, well, basically counting the intro, is a flashback. Now here's the a thing: you're getting. And that's how they save money, folks. Yeah. Like 75% of a movie and tack your already done stuff. Yeah, but here's the thing. The if beginning. you're getting upset about this, who boy? Yeah, and it's no, not no, really no. canon, really. It's not really brought up. It's not necessary. So why do you have that there? Other well, than go, oh, it's probably because, well, one, well that's true. Money. There's probably two reasons. One is uh, that VHS didn't exist. Uh, this movie was not reissued around the time of The Mummy's Tomb. So they don't have the other movie to go reflect back on and go oh let me go watch that again they'll do the footage again so you go oh yeah i saw that i remember that you know oh that was that was fun 
but it honestly was way too much for what they even needed. There was a it lot was, of the it was unnecessary exposition. Stuck in but there. what I was telling you, William, is if you if you think that this is kind of bogus to to um, to do a fl- use a lot of old footage in a flashback, I'm telling you. There are other movies. Yeah, there's more there to come. There's more movies Not to come. Only that. But we'll do that. Apparently, they also recycled Frankenstein mob footage, uh, Green Hell footage, probably Doggo footage. Uh, they recycled scores from Invisible Woman and basically our late 30s to early 40s lineup. That's like Ghost of Frankenstein to back. Well, they had the rights to it, so let's just right. use it. Let's just reuse like. 80% yeah, let's of not try sports. to be original. Also, it took about two weeks. Wow, to shoot. that's a quick. That's a quick. That, that, that makes sense. Shoot. They reused a lot of footage in this, so that the only actually, yeah, it's just a house. When you boil it all down, it's just that house. And thing is, they did uh, reuse that set from. Uh, shoot, I don't remember what it was exactly, but they yeah, they did that a lot. Another movie. I think. That I think that they still. couldn't. So here's the thing. Um, Remember that the Limleys, when they did the earlier Universal movies, um, they had money to be able to spend. Now, where did they get this money? You know, how did they did they use it wisely? I don't, I'm not sure. But if, I mean, if you think about how much money they lost on on Showboat and uh, all that kind of stuff that went with that, and then losing control of Universal to to other parties, I mean, the other guy that came in, he was like, you know, his mindset obviously was. Monster movies. Let's do monster movies. You know, let's make them as cheaply as possible. Um, let's make them as make them as scary let's as possible. Money, basically, um, yeah. And any money we make from that, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of movies today, you'll do a similar thing. Like, okay, check this out. A lot of movies that have come out that have made like multiple times over their uh, their original budget. A lot of them are horror movies. They're infamous because what they'll do is they'll put them out there and they'll be super scary, right? And they'll put well, they're, they're they'll put them out otherwise. in January or something like that, and a bunch of people will go see them because they want to get. There's nothing going on in January. There's no um, Oscar winning movies, you know, where you're like, oh, the great performances. There's no big t- uh, uh, summer blockbuster. What we call tent poles. Tent poles are basically, if you think of a tent pole, like two poles and then like a tent in between them. It holds the tent. Yeah, I'd say the new year was probably reserved for like you know. Yeah, it's more at the end or the beginning of a year. Somewhere sandwiched in there, I would say that'd be a great time for many companies. Well, to Jan- go, let's January. Shift our money around, okay. You know? Maybe the bank. Hey, here's go, the here's the thing. If uh, if a studio, yeah, but if a studio so goes, sense. well, we got this movie. Let's just put it in February or January. That what that tells a lot of people is that the studio kind of thinks that this movie is not going to make that much money. If it's not, if it's a non-horror movie and they put it in January, February, it means they're kind of going, eh, you know, they're hoping for a little bit, but not much. They're kind of putting it like third tier in their mind. You know what I'm saying? They're not like most of the time. People like to either make. Actually, people usually really like uh, the, the yeah, or or February's Christmas. love they like love fall. movies. Hey, hey, like rom com rom coms. That's why they put them in February because people are thinking about love. You follow me? So, but in J- January, yeah. But you know what, <laughs> what? I'm thinking about? Oh my uh, goodness! This okay, well, pacing. Yeah, 
This movie's pacing, it, it shambles, just like The Mummy. It does. Nothing happens in this movie. Some deaths. Nothing happens. Okay. Really. So people, we... It d- mostly does basically the same thing they did last movie, because, you know, there's another movie, rise, uh, another apprentice rises up, and they want to be immortalized with some lady, non-mutually. Th- that's basically that thread. And then The Mummy goes around and kills some people. It's very close to The Mummy's hand. It really is. It and just... then dies by fire. Again. There you go. Well, the other, the other, the other part of this too is we don't care about the victims. A lot we of don't the other care parts of the about movie them. Is just the victims going, "Oh, what's going on? We're going to discover that it's a mummy, indeed, after all, and do something." Yeah, eventually, eventually they'll discover about it. But here, eventually, they do a massive. Okay, mob. so so I unfortunately am a child of the '80s and '90s, so I remember watching movies my parents didn't want me to watch and they were called slasher movies. It was basically this slow-moving antagonist, uh, uh, nigh nigh unkillable, nigh immortal, because he had to come back in the sequels and all that kind of He had to come back again and again. Were you the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I... I saw the first one. I liked the second one because it was it kind of had a, a goofy elements to it uh, on purpose, and then it just lost me from there. It just went into can we gross you out, and it really didn't gross me out. I feel like more closer would be Friday. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, a a immor- uh, immortal shambling guy. He's gonna come kill you. Except you know Jason Voorhees okay. had more personality than this. But the, and then there was Halloween. Halloween also a, a guy in a mask. A guy with a face you can't. See, a guy in a mask, Lon Chaney Jr., coming after you. And he's going to just keep coming and keep coming. And then if you kill him and you think he's dead, yeah, he'll pop back up in, in, at the end of the last scene. Although it wasn't exactly, you know, the man with the thousand faces, right? Because obviously the, the, that legacy is a lot to own up to. Yeah, he's the man of, what, six faces? So I guess so. But, I mean, they could, um, yeah. Some praises. Okay. Cinematography, uh, like those very meticulously planned zooms, uh, were great atmosphere definitely some more pause for some good atmosphere uh also there isn't any comedy relief no at at least that's some plus but yeah there isn't any comedy relief actually yeah and but the thing is though i i the laughs that would be had from this movie are unintentional um and the laughs that you kind of chuckles that you kind of get from the mummy's hand have to do kind of with the kind of ab proto Abbott and Costello routines that we see from Wallace Ford who plays Babe Jansen in the mummy's hand he has none of that as I said before he has none of that humor you think he's going to be the source of humor but he's not even that but he's an old man in this yes and the thing is here's the thing though William a lot of modern horror movies have found that sometimes there's a balance to be had between a joke and and a scene of absolute terror because when we get scared we almost laugh because it, 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 we were surprised that we got scared, and then we laughed. But then there's a rush of the missing. Yeah, you know, it's it, yeah, exactly. You kind of you know chuckle that you. Why was I even la- you know scared at that? Oh my goodness, you know I'm I'm such a. You lose all of you. You lose all the happiness, and then regain it all a minute later. It ends up being double the happiness in that. Yeah, moment. and 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 it's like it's that. a kind of it's a kind of a, a relief, a laugh of relief, you know, um, and horror movies later figured out how to do that but movies back then were just like you know either either it was too much humor and it kind of sucked all the terror out of it which 
probably, and that's fine with some certain things like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein or any of the other creatures that he meet. That you're supposed to be funny. It's not. There's no terror at all. You know, it, it's kind of you know you're you're. La- it's kind of oh, remember this Caris person or this Claris person, right? As we'll get to. It sounds like they're. I like. A bit of I of them. like. It's Claris. I, I Clarence. I like his. Uh, I like Perny Wes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so scary. Or, but uh, speaking about legacy, right? There was a 1959 remake of the Mummy. Uh, it was called the Mummy. That was basically this film and the last one. Oh, Hammer. That, Hammer. Hammer. But it was 1959. I'm a big. It was a Hammer. I'm a big fan of Hammer. No, all of the Hammer. Okay, there's some Hammer movies that you that I'm not gonna we're not gonna watch for the podcast, but there are some we are gonna watch for the podcast. Um, the ones that I have picked out for us to check out are Horror of Dracula with Chris, so Christopher Lee, uh, The Mummy, uh, which has Christopher Lee again. That that's the one you're talking about, and then there's one called Curse of the Werewolf. Uh, which is a kind of a, it's pretty original based upon some legends, but it's pretty original. And then uh, I can't think of any other ones. Uh, oh, uh, there's one called A Curse of Frankenstein, which really makes Bar- uh, Baron Frankenstein into a into the big villain, a really villainous kind of guy. So it's kind of good in some ways. So yeah, you know, hey, go ahead. But uh, but a, a lot of the Hammer stuff they they lean really into the into the blood. And all, uh, all the, the, it's hammer blood. It's also known as Kensington gore. It's basically, it's almost like red paint. It's so, you know, so much blood. But uh, there was a, uh, this movie was, uh, um, this movie was double billed with a movie called Night Monster, which uh, similarly, s- similarly is, similarly yeah. is based, basically a remake of Dr. X, which now that I think about it, it's like, you know, as we get into, like, Return of yeah. the Vampire, uh, Night Monster has Velagosi and I believe, but, like, uh, as well. But it, it's making me think about, you know, all of these different films that we haven't done so far that we've been sort of glancing across that are sort of, like, feel like in this sort of segmented horror space. Like, you know, Dr. X, Man-Made Monster, uh, Night Monster, you know, stuff like that. That we haven't covered. That I'm like, it'd be interesting to return to some. Of yeah, that's later. possible. I've got man-made monster on the list. We're gonna do man-made monster later. Yeah, but still, it's sort of like that sort of center yeah. that I feel like with just some of these titles that I feel like we could tap into uh, l- later when we, you know. Yeah, shoot, or we 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 could we yeah we could do a you know, we could do a reaction where we would wa- where we would watch it and just react as we do it because then you know of course um, then we could you know kind of put those out a lot quicker than our podcast maybe yeah it all depends though because uh, oftentimes videos are a lot of a hassle to edit uh equally to more than you know oh, okay. podcast editing because at least it's podcast editing you know the videos you have to add in all sorts of cool stuff uh-huh. there. uh otherwise you know it's just like what's the point you could just right keep, keep it keep it visually interesting editing. right yeah so that's my little tip for those uh those people who are uh, aspiring editors is to add some interesting things in there, but also don't make it like too much. So it's like the Gen Z quickness. Most people don't want me. There's a happy medium things, to so. be had. I think there's a mi- there's a middle ground so, to that, which where where it's can- don't do it too much and not too little. The only part of the production that I haven't covered so far is the director Harold Young, which was as young as his surname. <laughs> he did little directing and all B film. Wow. Did did, so, did was it mostly what did, did he about. mostly do stuff for Universal or did he was he like a PR? RC monogram guy. 
Uh, he did do uh, the Scarlet uh, Letter with uh, Alexander Corda. So okay, Corda. Corda is a to good go to put on his resume. Yeah, Corda is like a good producer. But that he was editor. Oh, on okay, that. okay, he was okay. Editor on that. So he, you know, he just kind of he didn't get editors. Editors, I hate to say this. Editors, and you probably understand this. Editors get the movie after it's been in the can and so, so to speak, and they have to sit in a room and kind of go through it and, and sometimes make the best of what footage they're given even when some of it's trash <laughs> or even just you know following the directions on a little sheet saying this is how your this cuts together yeah and, and you don't have you don't have too much control on yeah you have, you have some control but not too too much yeah uh franklin temporary reviews harrison reports stated that much happens but nothing that will surprise the horror fans uh while uh, theater strauss of new york times proclaimed no wonder the mummy lasted for three thousand years in that tandem fashion he may go on for another three right million. Are, are they uh, are they uh, i think he's saying comment? heaven forbid because he's saying like they're gonna 30, keep it, basically this guy's immortal they're just gonna keep him coming back again and again and again i hope not it's kind of what that review is saying and i mean he will come uh-huh. back in 50 well he'll come back to yeah when we get well are you are are uh, you talking well also are you talking about the if you're talking about coming back in a number of years i mean there's 30 years in between the in the current in the timeline of mummy's hand to this movie there's a time jump even though it takes place in the middle of world war ii because they still reference world war ii and yeah it's supposed to take place in the 70s if you yeah if you you if you add 30 plus what do you yeah. think the future is like? We're gonna be in. Is this? What do you think this is? Uh, it takes us um, that long to to stop Hitler. You know, I mean, goodness. It, it takes us that long. You think it's gonna be like a H.G. Wells things to come situation where it's just World War Two goes Hitler's on. Hitler's an elderly man by that. So just knock. Just because <laughs> you can't keep the continuity of going. Well, what if we're in a different war? What if you know this? But you know, after they have to reference it, or else you know they're not. And then current, stuff. right? It's like we had to be current with things. Okay, yeah, but you you were current back in the 30s what so in the book universal horrors which we've mentioned before and i might just buy i found it on amazon if you're interested yeah yeah i think i might buy that uh probably be interesting read and help out our podcast maybe yeah get some source material uh they criticized its weaker execution compared to the wolfman uh, lacking the same care and talent, yeah. uh, mainly dead, uh, entertaining for dedicated Universal horror fans who get that warm, fuzzy feeling when they watch one. Caught red-handed, yeah. I guess, because <laughs> we're the people who are just like I. Know, well, warm, fuzzy I liked I liked watching it, but I had my issues with it. But again. I d- even though compared to you know modern stuff, it's like oh, it's primitive. I can still have a I can still have a good time with a bad movie. Okay, they're all they're all <laughs> great. Universal horror is just something that you can't you know it's it's literally in a box. Right, you know that it's just you open it up and then there's treasures to behold. I guess or sometimes I, I have a hard time with a bad movie. Like if there's a really bad Godzilla movie, I'm like. It has to be, or if it's Avatar: The Last yeah. Airbender. Yeah, yeah. We talking about the the movie. Yeah, that came out on Netflix. Yeah, that's why I said Avatar because they pronounce it like that. I had I had to leave for most couldn't, of couldn't, it. Couldn't watch it because I could I couldn't even I couldn't even. Well, they're remaking even. it again as a series, but with actually people of the of the races that are they're supposed to be quote unquote. Um, and act and just her sure hope they don't mess it up. Uh, the Mummy's Hand is superior. And this film is so perfunctory, <laughs> so small, so small yeah. scale, 
and ambition and execution. It seemed destined for the bottom of the business right. slot. Uh, Hans Wolstein of all movies said it is neither the best nor the worst universal second wave of horror films. When all said is done, there is only so much that a monster swabbed and bandages can do, which uh, yeah. I guess I agree. He's he's sort of taken the, the great expectations route. He's taken the Charles Dictions. Uh, it's neither the no best the worst of times, times nor the worst well, of Well, let's times. put it this way. When, <laughs> when, you know, when you know the history of where things are going and you know how far how far down the series goes as far as quality. And when you know that Johnny Weissmuller would be in 13 Tarzan films yeah. at least. Probably like 17. So you're saying most. you're saying that they're going to go down in, in quality. I mean, that's kind of, you know. I'm saying, my goodness. Yeah. I guess that Olympic, I guess the Olympics really did something to his endurance <laughs> because he can just sign all of those things and do all those Right, stuff, exactly. Or all those movies. But what about, um? You know? okay. Uh, concluding yep. it is fairly entertaining, uh, fair, and it is easy, uh, and it is fun to see the angry villagers from the original Frankenstein back in action via stock yes. footage. Yes, and I and and I I fun. did comment on that when we watched. I was like, so guys that like the torch mobs, it's like torch mobs get got exported over here from Germany or wherever. There's like torch mobs in America. It's amazing. They're just they're everywhere. Um, here's the other part of that is that the what now? Okay, we do get some new uh some new actors and we get some actors returning, right? Uh, yes, but uh, I did want to say Turin Bay uh, admitted, uh, although he hadn't seen The Mummy's Tomb, it was his uh, favorite role later bec- uh, Later on. He says, I guess it's my favorite because it was part, it was a part closest yes. to my own nationality. Uh, it was a young Egyptian who believed in something that we couldn't comprehend with our five senses. Uh, if I could have picked my roles, I would have been playing these kinds of heavies, peoples who have mental quirk or some, for some reason or other, uh, are acting against the positive side of yeah, the he like he, He's like, I like those quirky well, people. Well, he's talking about, you know, things, we, you know, it's easy to just put the label villain, but but the better word would be antagonist, the one who kind of... He likes those people who step into the room no, and say, no. you'll see, we it's got it to do. <laughs> no, it's not an actual I, th- lie, I think what he's trying to say will... is that... Yeah, if I get to play an Egyptian, I also like, which I am, he's like, I am an Egyptian, I get to play an Egyptian, which is my nationality. If you think about it, that's good because you're not getting somebody like, you know, of course you got George Zucco, he's not an Egyptian. I mean, you know, uh, just like Boris Karloff is not a Chinese warlord, drug s- smuggler. Yeah, George Zucco, Zucco. like George Yeah, Zucco. which which he cut, hey, look, he came <laughs> back for this movie and had like a minute long scene and he got on the poster, so, hey. Where, he's got. Yeah, he was basically. He, he's basically the same. He's got role some pull now. Last time. Yeah, we just talked about Turhan Bay. Um, he, he, you know, he he lived for quite a while. He likes the people who enter the room and go. Right. Give he, me. Uh, he lived for quite a while. Yeah. I think that he died. You know, I think in the two thousands or something. I don't remember. Or nine. Yeah, we'll talk about that because I'm about to talk about the cast. Most of this cast we've covered before, except a surprise teeny first appearance of Glenn Strange, whom we'll see uh, him all over. Yes, and and who and who does he play uh, we'll in the future? To... Frankenstein's monster. Yes, I will talk about uh, John Hubbard. Uh, the guy who played John Banning, the archaeologist's son, was born in Chicago back in 1914. He had some time. Uh, he had his time in the spotlight during World War II as a bit of a lead actor, but after serving in the military, yes. he sort of faded from the scene. Uh, you might remember him uh, from. You might remember him from movies like You'll Never Get Rich, uh, this movie, Youth on Parade, and Duel and Duel at Diablo, 1966. Uh, when he wasn't in front of the camera, he was hustling cars and running restaurants. Died in 68. Else, uh, Elise Knox, 
who played Isabel Evans, was born in Connecticut in 1917. Uh, she went from being a fashion school graduate and a top-notch model uh, to showing up in newsreels and snagging small roles. Uh, her debut was in Wake Up and Live, and she is best known for movies like Sheriff of Tombstone, this movie, Hit the Ice, and a wave, a WAC and a Marine. I wanted to say WAC. Yeah, yeah, it's an acronym. It's an uh, it acronym. was for, there were female officers, and they were called, you know, WACs. Something. Yeah. Active <laughs> I don't know. Something. <laughs> Uh, woman, woman army child. Woman I don't. Active commander. I don't remember what they're called. Co- Women's okay, yeah. army commander, I guess. Women's army corps or WAC. Uh, her second husband was Tom Harmon, a halfback yeah. football player, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, after a movie gig, she took a break in '49 to raise her kids. Uh, speaking of which, her kids include Mark Harmon, uh, the NCIS star, and Kristen, who married Ricky Nelson. Okay, let me explain something real quick. There was a a sitcom back in the day, a situational comedy, okay, called The Nelsons, and it had Ozzy and Harriet Nelson, okay, and they had two. They had they had some sons. I can't remember. It was Ricky and the other boy. I don't remember what the name is, but Ricky Nelson. He grew up and he he got married. I guess with their with the Harmon daughter, whatever. Uh, tell me later what happened. And they had these two sons, right? These two handsome uh, musician sons with long blonde hair who were the Nelsons and they are something like that. And they actually had a couple of hits back in the 90s. So Sounds cool. Uh, Lee Stocks passed away in 2012 at the ripe old age of 94. Great. <laughs> Great segue. Now let's talk I about I remember Mark man. Harmon because Mark Harmon has been in a lot of different you know things over the years. Mainly, yes, in NCIS. He was on that for like decades or whatever, a long time. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, now let's talk about Turin Bay. Uh, born in Austria in 1922, he could pull off all sorts of ethnic roles just because of his looks. Uh, you know, he'd really be done like that. Uh, he hit the Hollywood scene in the early 1940s and got known for adventure and horror films. Uh, you might have caught him in movies like The Climax, 1944, uh, which had Boris Karloff and was really just a failed attempt to get the success mm. of the Phantom of the Opera uh, from the year prior. Uh, but it didn't It didn't work. They were like, oh, we're going to do something just as epic and just no. as in style, and it, it didn't work. Yeah. Might want to watch. Uh, might yeah. see if we want to watch that someday. See if we can. 43, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Dragon Seed, 1944, a weird one. It's got Walter Houston and Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn playing a Chinese peasant. Uh, Walter Houston is, is like Lin Wow, Chan did they, did, yeah, did they, uh, he, okay, what is okay. it with people? It's yellow face. See, it's it's yellow face. What are, what are, pe- there's clips probably on YouTube, but what, what is it with, of course, but what, what are people but, doing, doing when they're like, I can play Asian. Really? You're just gonna put on makeup on your on the corners of your eyes, and you're gonna play Asian, like um, you know Boris Karloff did it. Um, and, I mean, we just recently saw uh, uh, Peter Peter Lorre. Like, okay, Walter yeah. Houston. Walter Houston sneaks himself into really weird roles sometimes. And I guess this is one of them. But why Catherine Hepburn as a as a Chinese pet? Why? And uh, yeah. Alibaba and the Forty yeah. Thieves, 1944. That, that makes sense. Yeah, he Arabic he, looking. And uh, as you alluded to, he also did some 90s science fiction series, uh, Sequest DSD C- oh. Babylon 5. Oh, what are, okay. What are your memories Ready? from those? No, They're no, no, no. Like can, Star let, Trek let me explain. Revive? A Sequest DSV was the future, except instead of going into space, we were, we were exploiting the sea. For beneath the surface lies the future. And, the, uh, and, un, and underwater bases and all that kind of stuff. And the, the Sequest was like the Enterprise, but it was a submarine. And there was uh, a lot of characters on there. was even including uh, the, the captain was uh, Roy Scheider. The, act, the actor was who played him was 
Roy Scheider. Now, where where would you know Roy Scheider from? Well, let me tell you. He was uh, Captain, uh, not Captain, he was Chief Brody, the, the sheriff of a little island called Amity. And Amity was terrorized by a 30 to 40 foot shark. So that was Jaws, and he played Chief Brody in Jaws 1 and Jaws 2. Interesting. Now, Kevin Bacon. No, Sequest, Sequest. No, it's a, it's a meme where you can tie it. Yeah, Sequest Kevin DSV Bacon, also had a, I think it's a, okay, it's a dolphin named Darwin, I think. Don't quote me, but the dolphin had this attachment on him, which would allow him to use his dolphin language, but he could speak English. It translated it for him. And uh, it also had a uh, young young man named Jonathan Brandis, actor, an actor of the time. And and sadly enough, Jonathan Brandis was dealing with a lot of issues at the time, and he actually did addendum, addendum mortis, unfortunately. And, and I was like, man, there were so many good roles that Jonathan Brandis could have done as, as he grew. He could have been like the next, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio for like the TV set for the teen, you know, for a teen set. But no. Um, but the, okay, Babylon Five was probably the, one of the longest, and it's still going in terms of animations. They're making new animations and comic books and all kind of stuff. Babylon Five was wow. kind of like Star Trek. And Star Wars meets Deep Space Nine. The name of the place is Babylon 5. If that's even a real way to put it. And it was, I mean, the history of everything is so crazy. There's Vorlons and Centauri, all these different races and everything. And and Babylon 5 is like a giant station. Yeah, it's like Star Trek, but they yeah, sort well, of in a way, it. and it, it used a lot you of know, uh, it used Star Trek well, and it was a, it was a station, there. so it was like Deep Space Nine, but there was a lot more political stuff to it too. So, and of course, there's political stuff with Deep Space Nine, but there were spinoffs of that show that had a lot more. Was almost like there was a spinoff of the show. It was almost like Star Trek Voyager, where, where you'd all take place on a ship. So, Babylon Five, pretty tight little show. Uh, compared to what? What is it compared to? Oh, uh, Battlestar um, Galactica. Battlestar Galactica was trying to be more gritty. This, this was, this had some cool stuff in it. Like you know, Babylon Five also had so, some former Star Trek actors. There's actually a, a a telepath guild or whatever in it that would you know had psychic powers. And one of their uh, head agents was played by uh, Walter Koenig or K- Koenig, who Chekhov. The ship is being escorted by approximately half a dozen enemy fighters seize the ship and we deprive them of some of their weapons capability but it's important to capture the ship not destroy it so how did you find out about all of this i'm a telepath work it out oh that's cool what is cool uh, do you know what else is cool uh roy, yeah. Sh- uh, roy scheider uh wasn't to be young gifted in black with barbara Barry, who was in end of the line so you're doing a kevin bacon with roy scheider yeah and yes we, yeah we've got a i'm actually watching jaws uh two currently right now to see if it's if it's good for our podcast uh, i i let's talk about it later but i'm seriously thinking we could do jaws one through four as a bonus uh deal at one point there's only like a couple scenes that are kind of like you know a little a little more they they this is before pg-13 so it was like that would have been a pg-13 scene but it was pg strangely enough i don't know how jaws is P- pg but yeah, I'm surprised that Rush yeah, is that it's, close. Yeah, you can do it in like a couple of yeah. A lot of people are, are close, especially if you do like uh, anything in the Marvel. If you do any, you can honestly connect anybody to to Kevin Bacon if you use like Marvel Cinematic Universe actors. It's 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 true. It's true. We'll have to do that at some point. I think there's a website that does it. Let's see. So Elise Knox, yeah. Oh, apparently, uh, apparently Barbara Barry was one of the. 
uh, well, the, the, the question is in, which um, uh, oh, oh, you're t- sounds well, interesting. Which Hercules which movie was it? Live action? Well, there's oh, really? Oh, 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 she. Uh, the oh, Disney the one. muses. They basically they were singing. As, the, this, uh, the, those singing. They were on that jar. Yeah, the five singing muses. I don't yeah. know which you one Alchemini is, or Alchemini, or however it's pronounced exactly. Don't know if it's like the main one because I know there's the main one, and then there's the sassy one, <laughs> and then there's like the three. Sort it's of nice that you're like that, you're like that's the sassy so, one. You, you had one that you had picked. She out might as be the sassy. one of those, but still. I think they were all kind of sassy. But you know, well, I mean, they're kind of sassy, but like there was uh, one of them that had the. the well, yeah, that's that's know, that's interesting how those connections come through. Now, so what are some other things you could say about this movie? To, to kind of uh, wrap up the production. <laughs> you guys really are the tangentlemen, for real. So to speak. I. Yeah, and we kind of talked about how we, fi- how we, how we really feel about anything. this movie. That was all um, uh, okay, let's put it this way this movie is watchable. I'll watch it. Yeah. It, it's still watchable. You can still have it. It's stored. It's sort of. It's as I described uh, last episode. This is sort of you know taking the ghost of Frankenstein and cementing it, going like this is how we do things now. This is the movie that went, or this these were the movies that went. Okay, this is the. Vector. It's the blueprint. This yeah, is it's the, the blueprint this for is, uh, the. Yeah, this is mon. These are these it, are monster is, movies, this folks. This is what we're gonna do now. Yeah, and pretty much all they're the lo- movies that, you know, that you might There's see. There's no going back. Um, I mean, you know, we do get um, we do get a little bit more of that. Some of that story that we were missing from uh, from the Wolfman in in the Wolfman meets Frankenstein or Frankenstein meets Wolfman, however you word that, uh, we do get a little bit more of that. You know, maybe there's a little bit of a philosophy there, but mostly it's it's you know when do we get to see the monster and him attack stuff, and that's pretty much what people want. It's like give the people what they want. We will actually, um, but yeah, we'll get to that next season. Thing is, is this is our penultimate episode of season two, which is really weird to say because you know I can just I can just remember when we were getting to the Invisible Man, and you know we were getting done with that. And I we really got on to like all the cool stuff. I really liked it's, watching it's just, those bonus. You know, uh, the, like, we the, did that again. Those bone those bonus episodes. Yeah, that was really fun. We're getting back into the fall of the next year. Yeah, the bonus episodes were fun too. We'll have next right. Episode, we're not going to we'll announce what those. are. Well, we're not necessarily. We could, but we're not necessarily. That would kind of fall. That would kind of be like what we did last time. But with these, we are. We're not necessarily going to say the date of when we're going to do them. I don't think we did that with the other ones, but because we have a lot of stuff planned going forward, some fun stuff, some new stuff, some different directions. We're still not changing the main direction of the podcast. You know, we are a science fiction and 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 somewhat horror and and some adventure uh, movie podcast. Uh, but again, there's some things we that we'd like to do, and we want to bring you guys along for that for that adventure. I know, I know a lot of you know. You might ask yourself, well, a lot of other people have done what you're planning to do. Yeah, okay, great. But if if you just just go with us, because these are things I'm just sharing with my son, okay, and he's sharing with me, and we're we're hanging out together and having a good time. And if we take you guys along with us on the journey, so be it. And 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 you know what we're yeah, we're we have some we're not plans. trying to be other podcasts. We're not trying to be other YouTubers. We all we can be is ourselves. And if you like who we are and you like hanging out with us, you know, then you're true. You're true blue. And and we want to thank you for that. And if you've already hanged with us through all of like the forty episodes we've been doing, like you know, great on you because you know we'll have another season coming after, and that'll be cool. We'll get to like fifty episodes 
of making stuff. And then we'll get all the way in a couple more seasons afterwards to maybe like five or six, fifth. Oh season. my goodness. What uh, a, what a huge milestone that would be. What a huge millstone. What a huge millstone that would be a for millstone. us. Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. We keep saying that. When will the monster walk out? But, but of the he'll room? come. But, uh, but he'll come back fact, because actually, we're going to shamble out of the room. We're going to uh, talk right about, about the plot now. of the mummy's tomb, in which the there are no tombs except for maybe the flashback. Like you would think. No, that this, this is movie this is king. This is the movie. It's got to be no. a slasher because it's taking place. Literally, no. It's yeah. I I thought I thought they were in this Mapleton. Is, in the you know, now. they're in Midwestern That's, America. They're 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 in Virginia Beach, Virginia. They're in Daytona, USA. They're in North Carolina, Charlotte. Uh, anyway, exactly. South Carolina. I don't know where that is. Oh, I'm, I'm totally messing up now. I think it, I think I'm losing my mind. All right. So anyway, let's ta- uh, take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the plot. And oh, and who boy are we going to have some things to say? And I I will be uh, unfo- un- unwrapping uh, again. Un- I'm just going to say unfolding the the plot for you when we come back so we're gonna be out of our mouths yes cinnamon and we we hope that the curse will not befall us all right so and we hope that the curse won't befall us see you then so technically we start off with a storybook beginning technically right it's 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 sort of weird to think like you know i mean technically we start off with the credits which are all of the mummy's tomb that we're ever gonna see in this movie (laughs) right very very well themed though and it's got the hieroglyphic you know the papyrus font it it makes us think that we're gonna get a lot more egyptian stuff than just uh uh, the the mehmet bay character that's pretty much it But we have a storybook beginning, technically. I don't know if it's a newspaper or a magazine. We do see newspapers all over this film as sort of a, you know, give you all this information device. I mean, it was interesting when it was done in Citizen Kane, but then, eh. They they did a much better job with it. But this is is, uh, Exposition City. Dracula kept it to, like, two. Right. Two different parts. So, you know. They could have done well with less. Well, this what is what happens after that. Well, uh, it zooms in on <laughs> with a little transition out of out of yeah. Well, uh, technically, it into zooms in out on of the whatever, book, whatever, and then out of okay. Uh, so we are not in Egypt at all. We are in a quaint little, I guess, town uh, called Mapleton, Massachusetts. And Steve Banning, the one of the main characters from from the Mummy's Hand. Uh, played by Dick Foran, he's actually got some old person makeup on. It's 30 years have passed since the what happened in that movie. And the, strangely enough, it only happened two years ago in real time, but 30 years ago in movie time, if that even makes sense. He's the guy who discovered, along with uh, Babe Hansen, Jansen, okay, whatever his name is, Babe, uh, they discovered, uh, well, I guess we put Professor Petrie, too, if he didn't die. I don't remember. Um, they discovered the tomb of Princess Ananka. Um, and he's about, he's 60. He's got a grown son, John Banning, played by John Hubbard, which makes it easy because when they say John, he just turns his head, you know. There was, you know, whenever your actor name is the same as your real name, it just makes everything so easy. So there was no, there's nothing to tell us that it's the 1970. <laughs> But it's just everything still looks like 1940. They're talking about a war coming up, and I'm like, oh, oh, Nam, huh? Nope, World War II, still. I don't understand how that worked. Um, so 
he's a so Steve is a widower. So apparently he had um, I guess they couldn't get Peggy Moran back for this one. She she played Marta Solvani. I thought she was really she was really cute and sweet. Uh, Marta Solvani. She played her in the uh, Mummy's Hand. So that's his wife, and and she has died, and he's got a grown kid. Anyway, back to this. So they're all sitting around in the little drawing room, uh, along with uh, Steve's sister, who we'd never even met before, uh, Jane. Uh, which there's a part with Jane that doesn't make. Well, the inclusion of Jane doesn't make any sense with her being what happens to her, which I'll go into. It doesn't make any sense, William. So uh, she does keep house for him. I guess that's that's what that's what you do. Um, so they're telling he's telling the story. Now he's not just giving little bits of exposition, right? He's actually like it's fading into flashback mode, where it's giving these long swads of the Mummy's Hand, the movie. So after a sandy montage onto the dig site, the dig site has found nothing, uh, yet, so far. This is their expedition. So they blow up the rock and find Karis' tomb. So our protagonists are camping near the area. They discovered Karis' tomb instead of Ananka's. So Andrew Hebb, uh, swoops in to Dr. Pedri. They found the mummy of Karis in there, and they're sort of investigating it. He swoops in onto the scene, obviously when Steve is gone, and uh, demonstrates to Dr. Petrie that the mummy's alive! Uh, but the doctor gets choked out by this black-eyed undead. Of course, again, he, he, he killed him with what? His mummy's hand. Steve and Babe do encounter uh, the dead Dr. Petrie. Steve and Marta uh, basically discover that the tomb is in another castle. Uh, the mummy, is he he goes to killing folks uh, with the vial of leaf juice as bait. Captures Marta and brings her away. They resolve to find the passage uh, to Anunka's tomb. Uh, next scene, as the mummy brings the princess, they do a sweeping pan zoom out. Andrew Head's real plan as he, as uh, the mummy lays uh, Marta out on this altar table, he reveals his real plan. Uh, which is for Marta to become immortal, but Steve finds the passage, and uh, Babe has this climactic duel of the mind of the temple stairs, because Andrewhead goes out and he's like, you're not gonna shoot me, you don't have the gall, and, but he does, he just shoots him dead, anticlimactically. So Steve attempts to rescue Marta, but since uh, the bullets don't work on the mummy, he shoots his Tana fluid instead, sending him aflame as he drinks the Tana that's going down the drain. And uh, that's really all this movie. And, it's, it's and like, not only the parts that are necessary, but also a lot of the unnecessary parts. Such as, oh, we had comedy relief in this movie. Let's show every instance of comedy relief in this movie. Well, it, it, Guess it, it what? Moved. We had a villain that doesn't even uh, really appear in this at all. Just for the... I mean, I, you only get well, the later half of okay. the story from this. Really, what about so. the scene? What about the scene when that one, I guess, scientist dude was in the same room with and with Andoheb, the high priest, and Andoheb is explaining to him how the Tana, the leaf, uh, Tana leaf drops or whatever, wake wake Karis up, and and the guy grabs his hand, you know, and. And he was, and he wasn't even there for that. John, uh, not John. Uh, shoot, what's his name? Steve. Steve Banning was not even there for that scene. But uh, he tells all about it as if he was there. Uh, I guess he saw the movie that he was in. So John, the son, doesn't believe anything. He's like, "I'm a doctor, Dad, and I know you did some stuff, and but I, I don't, I don't buy any of it." Well, of course, you know he's going to get his mind changed about that. Beyond the imagination, most amazing thing I've ever heard. It's like hearing from a world beyond. Well, that's the way it happened. So uh, when we then we jump over to Egypt. Finally, something 
maybe approximating a mummy's tomb. Uh, Not quite. Uh, Kind of. Not quite, but though. So an older, twisted uh, high priest, Andoheb, again played by George Zuko. He has got old person makeup on uh, again. No, no, not not again. In this scene, he's he's aged up. He, it does look he does look very similar to the high priest that he succeeded. I can't remember what the name of the guy was that played that. He had an Italian name, I think. Eduardo Cianelli. But he that guy died, and strangely enough, it's gonna do that again. But if you're thinking, okay, wait, Andoheb didn't he die in the mummy's hand? He got shot four times. He fell down those stairs. You know the ones from Green Hell, Green Hell that were left over from the Green Hell movie. He fell all the way down those stairs. He's, he did. Okay, he did. Both attempts failed. The bullet he fired into me only crushed my arm. But, but, but as you can probably see, he not dead because of plot. He needs, he's needed to hand off the reins of being the high priest, the guardian of, of Karis or, and or Ananka to Mehmet Bey. Who is the? He's not our our death. Our death Bay, I think, was the previous guy. He's another Bay altogether. He's not. He, he, he's not Michael Bay either. So he's basically. But he is. A, he is actually Egyptian. Uh, the guy who plays him is actually Turhan Bay is actually Egyptian. So okay, kudos to that. But he is. Well, he is Austrian born. Okay. So, well, you know. but you're still. You're still. It doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you're white. I mean, he's. He's definitely a brown guy. He just because he was born in another country, he's still Egyptian. I mean, it's it's where it's where your genetics come from. But he is listed like four or five down. There's even like somebody else. I think George Zuko is like only in there for like 30 seconds before he, you know, kicks the bucket and passes the torch to, to Mehmet Bay. And he's like above him. But I know, I know George Zuko is like a bigger star, quote unquote. I guess Mehmet Bay is just getting started, you know, with his career. So but he's at we, the bottom. Do we have like the same dude who was in the last movie playing this and to have in this movie? Yes. Which it's funny. It's, it's very George funny. Zuko. It's like we're going to get the guy who played the old guy in the last movie who was a completely different person. To play and to have in this movie, I guess just because he can look old and well, people don't have people can't tell the difference between. Oh wait, he doesn't look like himself because he's you know forty he's, years old. He's got a white hair, a wig, and he's got you know and got a mustache, so he must be older. That's what they do with a lot of these characters, and they make them not funny. Like if they used to be real, kind of have a little you know and be kind of happy go lucky, they're just real grim and grumpy now. But this this movie does go darker. This movie does go darker than the Mummy's Hand. If you thought there was some funny to be had especially with babe um in the mummy's hand the funny is not here and yeah distinct lack of comedy relief yeah but but yeah, i i kind of like that i like that strangely enough i like overall, it overall isn't that interesting no it's and it's, I, it's I, too I sure simple it's sort of it could sort of get fixed yeah in the next one but i feel like they wouldn't keep it up i am not sure i think it's just the story is that's get, my prediction i don't think it's going to get any better i think honestly this is it's like it's not going to get it's going to get worse with, marginal yeah yeah. It's only going to be marginally better. Now, the fire, if you want to talk about somebody who, who is not, who should have been dead, but it's not dead, Karis, uh, uh, of course, you know, you're like like the best suit, slasher villains, you, you can never truly kill him. So he was supposedly got burned with fire, right? He got seared and twisted and maimed. The fire that sought to consume Karis only seared and twisted and maimed. Okay, I guess that's why his arm is like all, you know, bunched up and broken and gamey or whatever. But he's still but No, he's still alive. Yeah. And it's like But he looks different and he How? Well, exactly fire... he's alive in a good state. He's Okay. Should, you'd think he'd be like vegetative. Well, Tom Tom Tyler, Tom Tyler played played Cars previously. He um he he's he's <laughs> he's thinner. 
Okay, he's thinner and more, you know, I guess a little bit more. He looks a little bit uh, slimmer, right? And you can actually see the shape of his face. And then I guess when fire happens, you gain a little bit of pounds. You gain a little bit of height. And your face looks like oatmeal mush um, with a little pouty lip sticking out. Um, I guess that's what happens. Oh, you're talking about the mummy. I'm talking yes. about Lon Chaney Jr. as But cars. seriously, if any man is to take such a beating, uh, honestly, you'd probably be vegetative. If you like to talk to tomatoes. Vegetative state for the rest of his later years. And I mean, that's a depressing thought to ever think of anyone having. Yeah. Uh, or a- anyone like. Well, I wonder if if like, you know just just it, it's sort of depressing thinking about like what if your your grandpa was the best man in the world and then he suddenly re- went really sick and now he has you know mental mental ailments that just per, per just weaken yeah. him and it's sad to see. Well, but, so basically, just like but still, he this conversation has gotten affected. dark too. So, yes, but he should have been affected is what yeah. I was meaning to say. Yes, yes, but he's not. Not he's to bring still... down your jogging session. No, no, no. He's still he is still uh he's still chorus, but and but honestly throughout this movie Or rather and ahead. Because we're speaking about and ahead being oh. riddled with bullets. Oh, the, I thought you were talking about Karis would be ve- should be vegetative. I was talking about Karis surviving the fire. You were talking about Andohem? Okay. We uh, were talking about Andohem, oh, and then oh, you dude. went on to describe Karis after that. Oh, I thought you were still talking about Karis now. Still okay, no. talking about. You know, no, this yeah. Is, <laughs> this is how we conversate sometimes, yeah, I guess. This, yeah, that's how it happens. We each have our own thoughts about the conversation as of current, and then they just get they got smushed together. When you realize that yeah. we're trying to talk about two different things at the same time. Oh, that, that, that's fine. We're all human. So, but the, the thing that about about Lon Chaney Jr.'s performance is there's only one part, and we'll get to it. It's kind of the the part that made me chuckle out loud in in, in his acting. You actually see his acting through Jack Pierce's makeup. You actually see him emote a little bit. Mostly, he's just trying to look vaguely menacing, and he drags himself along until he kills the next victim and then drags himself back but there's a part that he kind of does show some personality in and it's it's real quick and you'll miss it but i i recommend this scene definitely okay back to this so now andoheb is telling him okay you've got you've got new duties you've got to watch after Karis. you have to here's here's uh how the Tana leaves and the juice works and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, okay, uh, three, six, nine, how many ever? Okay, three to do this and six to do that. And do- All right, you can die now. And it's like, once once I've said my piece, I can die now. Well, okay, so he's been, he got shot four times, fell down a stair, and he just hung out for 30 years just so he can tell this new guy about how to do the Tana leaves. Okay. Uh, uh, exactly. All right, he let's, should be hey, let's, let's just go with it, right? Let's not try to think too much. So it is Lon Chaney Jr. playing Karis, except for like long shots, and then it's a stuntman named Eddie Parker. So Andoheb tells him to take, I don't know, for some reason to go to America. Oh yeah, because the desecrators of Anaka's tomb, Steve and Babe, they are in, they're in America. They're in Mapleton, whatever, Massachusetts. So he's like, you got to go kill them. I swear by the sacred gods of Egypt that you will never rest until the last remaining member of the Banning family is destroyed. Until they all have suffered the fate of those who dare to defile the tomb of our royal dead. You gotta end, you gotta be the living embodiment of the mummy's, uh, the Pharaoh's curse. 
So they had to wait for the new high priest to be born, grow up, and be apprenticed, and then go through most of his life, and then now he's here to go. Uh, Andoheb says, The preparations are complete to the last detail. The position as caretaker of a little cemetery has been arranged. Awesome. So we get probably some cemetery scenes. Uh, well, very few, but that's, hey, that's universal for you. you got to do some of that. He, say, he swears by the sacred gods of Egypt, and he's, gonna, and he's not going to rest until the entire Banning family and the others who took part in the opening of Ananka's tomb, they're dead. Okay, this I guess that explains what he does with somebody that has absolutely nothing to do with this. Kills them too, I guess. You just got to kill the whole family. Whatever. So Bay goes. Uh, he also says that, you know, I, don't, I want you to keep any temptation away that might destroy you as it nearly destroyed me. Meaning that Andoheb, remember Andoheb was like, he was really into Marta. Uh, he almost wanted to make her immortal and hang out with him forever. And it sounds like that, well, that's what Mehmet uh, Bay ends up doing too. But he's like, yeah, don't give him temptation. Just destroy me in the first movie. And he's like, it's exactly what he does. The uh, future wife of the son of the guy who desecrated the tomb. Okay, well, we'll get there. So the movie does really move, even and it just it just kind of sunk ten minutes in. So you got uh, you got fifty minutes to go to to get all this information going. So they go to Massachusetts. They stay they're stay, staying in a ship again. Again, we've got a servant of a nigh immortal being putting him in a coffin and taking him on a ship. Uh, that reminds me reminds me of Dracula. Master, we are here. You can't hear what I'm saying. We're here. We're safe. <laughs> yeah, we are seeing somewhat of a montage of this, uh, of the travel that they're doing to get here. And honestly, there's some of the things that are cool in this movie that, but honestly, it's just like, what more can we say? You know, there's a Bobby's curse that's yeah. So so the th- now we, we for some we're, we're in Mapleton okay. now, right? So Mehmet Bay he takes over. Uh, from a previous guy at a cemetery. This is an old guy, and he's like, why would anybody as young as you want to take over a cemetery? And, and so, okay. I expected a much older man. It's very peaceful here. I think I like it. But it's such a lonely existence. He gets Carus' sarcophagus, and they, they set up shop there, kind of hide out. Mehmet actually is going to go and go out to the crypt. It's at night, right? So he re- he wakes up Karis with the fluid of nine tana leaves. The three the three drops of the leaf or whatever, I guess, keep him away uh, alive. And then uh, nine actually wake him up to go do some stuff. So what he wants to do is he, he wakes him up. He get, gets out. He's got a, he's got a crippled arm. He's got a dragging leg, and he just goes. And I know we're supposed to be afraid of him kind of encroaching and coming, and it kind of is weird and scary, but it just takes him forever. He moves at a snail's pace. So anybody, if really, anybody really wants to get away, they could just jog away. The first two people that Karis finds are a young man and a woman in a parked car by the cemetery, you know, parking, you know what I'm talking about? When they're in there, you know, they're going to kiss up on Lover's Lane or where those things. A lot of the, these killer movies that were... That's usually the, the first victims is is a, a boy and a girl you know from high school or whatever and they're up in a car kissing and listening to music and they usually go what was that uh, I don't know was 
that's 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 the wind right here give me a kiss and it's like gotta get out of here i'm I'm afraid so again this is a very you know it's a very famous kind of trope in a lot of these movies uh, to come not necessarily universal but with slasher movies and murder movies he he just shows up as a shadow uh chorus shows up as a shadow starting out so people people are saying things like i saw this shadow and it's really scary that shadow crossed my face a shadow. And all of a sudden, a shadow passed over us. What sort of a shadow? Just a shadow. Sort of shadow. All black. A shadow for a suspect. Even if you told the newspaper, what are they going to do with that? You know, uh, a shadow. Right. He does mess with some people. There's a farming couple. They call the county sheriff. Hello. Sheriff speaking. What do you want? Well, I'm back to bed. You must be crazy. You know, and they're like, uh, a shadow, really? So Karis keeps going on, and he he goes, gets to the Banning house, right? It's kind of a, I guess, two-story little kind of ranch house, farmhouse. It looks like it's, it looks okay, but it's, pre- I think it's made out of the most flammable material known to man, as as we'll find out. So every, all the animals are scared, but he, the humans around are kind of like, what's going on? You know, kind of dumb. Inside the house, Steve is playing checkers with John and totally wipes the floor with him. John's future wife, Isabel, I think I forgot to say her name, Isabel, and the sister of Steve, Jane, are watching. They all start to go to sleep, and John goes outside to see what's happening with the dogs. I guess, okay, John is the son, right? You'll see more of him in a little bit. Karis is on the other side of the house. Even though he has a game leg or dragging leg, he's able to climb up the vine trellis on the side of the house, and he's able to pull himself in, and he gets into Steve's bedroom. His eyes don't look as cool as they did when Tom Tyler did. Tom Tyler had these blacked-out-looking eyes, like a, like a doll's eyes, I guess, like a shark's eyes, and they looked kind of cool. So uh, Steve is up there, and he gets... All he can say is, Karis, and then one scream before uh, a hand closes about his throat. He is dead. Karis! Karis is gone. John gets there. He finds his father dead on the floor. He's got finger marks on his throat with some kind of weird gray, you know, dusty marks, you know, which we'll find out, you know, what that is later. So the gray stuff gets, try the gray stuff. It's delicious. The gray stuff is analyzed by a police chemist and he can't make anything of it except it's like a, it's not, it's not a soil sample from that area. I've tried to compare this with specimens of clay and dirt from all over this territory. Seems to be nothing like it around here. Oh, oh, great. Okay, that's that's fantastic. The coroner who is looking over Steve's dead body, they're just like, well, I, I, I guess it's just some dust, and they don't really, nothing really comes of it. The sheriff says it's just one of the, another one of those fiend murders. This is just another one of those fiend murders. What reason would anyone have for doing such a thing? You can't just call it a fiend murder and let it go at that. Fiend murders. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 Right. It, Basically, it, it's just it, it was a hobo gangster, gangster who mugged your dad about throat. The sheriff does kind of uh, connect some things together, like the shadow stories that the couple and the farmers are kind of saying. But you know, he kind of t- he kind of hooks onto that a little bit, but he doesn't do much with it yet. The story gets out, and there, there are these reporters kind of gathering, and it's like, okay, so this famous archaeologist gets murdered, and he's got some dust on his throat. Is that is that so important that you send out a whole you know cavalcade of reporters to just hang out in a small town in Massachusetts to find this out? It's like it's not front page news. I guess they're trying to justify them, you know. Oh, okay. You can't, can't have, can't have a like, mob hey, we build have a up mob if you don't here, start yeah. spreading the word, right? Because they have to come from far and wide. I guess John is super rational. He do, he doesn't believe in anything supernatural. So the, the, his father's death is is uh, is so senseless, and he's just. 
his brain is stuck on this murder so much. He's he neglects his doctoring, doctoring, uh, his uh, physician practice, and his future wife Isabel. She's like, finally, she's able to get you know convince him. Hey, you know, just let's get out of the house. You know, get, get your mind off these things. Let's go into the countryside and hang out. Wonderful being with you again, darling. Aunt Jane told me you'd call, but since that night, I've had so much on my mind. Oh, I understand, John. So, Mehmet Bey, though, just like his, his master, Andoheb, has a hard time fighting temptation. Um, he can't fight the temptation. Once he sees Isabel, just like Andoheb, when he saw Marta and got smitten, he starts kind of, you know, wanting her to be his girl. Um, okay, so there's a telegram that shows up, and it is announcing the arrival of Steve's former partner, Babe Hansen, played by Wallace Ford, except his name has changed from Jansen to Hansen. I don't know why. There's absolutely no reason why. A lot of the things is just like, there's no reason why you would change it. Like, this, why are they in America? This yeah, and, and no also, also uh, like, if why? you... If you, you know? liked his funny little goofball stuff in Mummy's hand, that's fine. If you didn't like it, great. You're going to be in a good company here because it's gone. He's older. He's he's graver. As fast. Well, as well it's, as his role it's in about the movie done. is yeah. It is. It, it, and he's he's like listed. He's I think tw- he's, he's uh, second or you know? wait, he's listed second after Dick Foran on the list of people in it. And really, they don't show up that much. Uh, Lon Chaney. Uh, okay, Lon Chaney. Look, who was Sorry, the not Junior, build? but Lon Chaney. Well, yeah, but Lon Chaney Jr., Yeah, it, it, we actually, we talked about him uh, in The Wolfman, about how he would, you know, take any role. He was sort of that, you know, person that they could sort of cheapen his uh, involvement, Well, I he guess, had a deep, you know, he... Along he, with okay. their cheapening. Lon Chaney is a, a pull. He's a box office pull. You're like, ooh, we're going to see him be a monster. He got famous from Of Mice and Men, you know, he wasn't very well known, and then they're like, oh, that's a really good acting job you did there. And he's known for his acting. After that, though, he starts getting well known to be a monster guy. So Universal's going to milk that dry. You know they are. But the thing is, it's like, it's sort of hard to pinpoint his exact role, at least until we do further research, but he's probably definitely the highest build, but it's, no. but it's not like he, he's not a Boris Karloff. Yeah, what are you either. getting he's for your money? Uh, you're getting a guy who, who moves around really slow and drags his foot behind him he's just not he's not very scary yeah. to me and didn't you say anything about like uh if they don't have oh a paid less uh, i don't know if they like, i don't know, know if they let money. him i don't know if they did that i think they i think he was able less. to get negotiate i don't know how much yeah the, yeah he was, he yeah he did do a lot of body acting okay so, so um now what, what about characters that are like mute or something like that you don't if they're doing a lot of acting you don't just pay them less i think that's more the rules for extras i think that's the rules for extras not necessarily for quote leading characters uh you can have a completely silent leading character and you need to pay them for the acting that they're doing but you know it's just so uh babe is you could say in the scene he's there he's he's arrived because he heard about the death of his friend steve he is really crushed and depressed and sad as as you might be so john uh steve's son meets him there at the station tells him everything in- including about the gray streaks of dust on the neck of steve what was that a kind of grayish mark on Dad's throat. Must have been a powerful hand that strangled him. What did you say? A kind of grayish mark on Dad's throat. Clay or dust or something. Grayish mark. A grayish mark. 
And when Babe hears about that, he's like, I know what that is. Uh, he, he's, he's sure it's the mummy. So it's the full moon again, uh, I guess this, so we can see what's going on. It's not, it has nothing to do with Larry Talbot, Larry Talbot growing hair and fangs. And okay. But the Kikaris is out and about the Bannings have a caretaker named Jim. I, I was like, oh, oh, okay, I guess their how their how ranch house is big enough to need a caretaker. I don't understand that. So he's trying to quiet the dogs down when he finds the mummy looming over him. He tries to shoot him a couple times with a rifle, but doesn't do any good. Actually, okay, the answer yeah, yeah. that I would say retirement money. That it is, be, if, yeah. If, yeah, maybe because they're, you know. Yeah, older. a lot of movies, they I did this like kind of thing. I feel like it would be retirement uh, money is, that would be invested in a nice house. Have some caretakers because that, after all, it's harder to take care of yourself when you're older. A big part of this Man, movie. Man, we're talking about oldness being, you know, <laughs> don't be afraid of getting old. Yeah, it's also you, you know, get to enjoy the family you've, you've stuff, created. You know? All right. But, so, um, so, but he doesn't die. He, he just, he's terrified yeah. and he faints or something like he's in complete shock. So Karis is like, okay, because Karis wasn't even supposed to kill him. He's not part of the bloodline or the family which that doesn't make any sense to me so he, he seeks out his real victim this doesn't make a lot of sense uh, uh steve banning's sister jane banning played by mary gordon you only see her a couple times but she gets killed by the mummy why uh because she happens to be the sister of the guy who desecrated you've already killed the guy who desecrated right you killed him so w- so wouldn't it be much more torturous to kill the sister in fr- in front of him Wait, right, they killed, like... Wait, didn't in this movie they kill... Yes. They, they kill, like, both of the main characters but the, in the previous but, movie? Yeah, but they uh, had... That, that's actually they, a thought that's, like, very unique for Universal. Yeah, uh, but but they had something to, to do with the desecration of Princess Ananka's tomb. Uh, Jane didn't do anything. She just happened to be the, the, the sister just of birthed. the guy who did, did some bad deeds, according to... And uh, yeah, she entered yeah. the world and then left it without. No, of course reason. you definitely didn't leave willingly. Left All right, willingly, so then. then we get these newspaper headlines that talk about the murders spreading or the story. So a bunch, a bunch more crime reporters descend on uh, Mapleton, and Jim has been stricken with hemiplegia. It's a form of paralysis caused by severe shock. Okay, whatever. So Babe has to get people to believe him that it is the mummy situation. He tries to convince everybody, the sheriff, the coroner, John doesn't even believe him. He uh, he tries to talk John into leaving town because he knows he's going to come after him probably. I guess because he's the part of the bloodline, so that gets that gets no respect. So Babe goes, all right, I'm going to go over to the to the bar uh, that's part of the hotel. I'm going to order a beer. One of the reporters goes, Hey, wait a minute, you're you're Babe Jensen Hansen, whatever your name is. Excuse me, uh, aren't you Babe Hansen? That's right. I'm Jake Lavelle, New York Record. Oh, yes. Was you down here because of all the trouble? Maybe. Bad about Mr. Banning and his sister, wasn't it? Yeah. Any idea what's behind everything? I know what's behind it. You know what? I know all about it. And nobody will listen to me. And uh, Babe just tells the story. They don't flash back, I don't think, for this part. Thank, thank God. Whether or not they believe him, they're willing to listen. So at least that's... That's close. Of course, you know, a good story is a good story to a reporter. You got to you to eat that stuff up. So Mehmet Bay, though, he's strangely enough is at the hotel, too. I mean, he's probably watching Babe's whereabouts so that he can figure out where Babe is to send cars out after him. But he's there listening and he's having a cup of tea. Well, it started 30 years ago when Steve Banning and I discovered Ananka's tomb. Yeah, well, what's that got to do with it? Everything to do with it. That tomb was guarded by a live mummy. That's. Literally that's right. The other guy, listening what they in. Did in the last movie was have the dude 
in the bar. It was probably exactly Babe, exactly telling a story about his, uh, you know, the things that he did. Exactly with an apprentice. Right, right, the the, 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 the Dijon guy? At a table. Dijon? Toward the left back. The Dijon guy. Was he, was he the one listening in? The, the servant of uh, Andoheb. Uh, we were saying it was a Merlock. We were saying it was a Merlock-Dijon situation. Actually, yes, situation. I think you're correct. No, no. I was like, isn't that you're white forgetting zombie? The, you're forgetting the I'm joke like, you made about the maybe. Dijon. Um, so, yeah. DuckTales, woo. DuckTales, woo. All right, so a short time oh, yeah, later, DuckTales, yeah. uh, another panic citizen reports a shadow uh, it is not the famous character known as the Shadow. You can never defeat me. It's like I said, I am the ultimate life form. No, it is not Shadow or the Hedgehog. Is it the no, famous hedgehog, uh, but the sheriff—he's like he doesn't shadow. buy these mummy stories. Well, the mummy doesn't. Still so tons of gun, he doesn't need. Well, uh, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, so, I so if, it's a, if it's a shadow and it's supposedly like he—he he thinks it's a, a real thing causing the shadow thing. A bunch of other people, reporters, uh, everybody starts you know gathering in the streets i mean they're just going crazy about it babe stays behind to pay for his drink and then he goes out in the opposite direction of the of the mob and straight into who would you guess Karis, right so they they kill they have babe run into a blind alley he gets dragged back down when he tries to climb over a fence it's kind of sad that they kill him off because you know i, I don't know I, I didn't hate him too much it's, he was kind of a, you know, he got he got the bad short straw, you know. The theories about the mummy get proved by Babe's death. I think the sheriff starts really kind of taking it seriously. Murder attributed to supernatural being reports the Maple Daily News. Uh, so John spots uh, a piece of bandage caught on a bush outside Steve Banning's house. And he does a smart thing. He takes the bandage to a scientist and it's Professor Norman, okay, played by Frank uh, Riker, Reicher of King Kong fame. I think that's right. He's actually the same guy who played uh, the uh, the boat captain. Yeah, Inglehorn. Yeah. Yes, he did. And King Kong <laughs> was a much, much yes. more interesting movie than this. It had stop motion, which... I well, am always glad to cover movies. We, we are going to see some more stop motion, stop motion when we get into the, the uh, early to mid-50s. You, you'll start seeing those all over the place, and it's it's going to be stop motion city. <laughs> some yeah, clay aliens. looking forward to seeing some clay aliens. Clay, clay aliens, yes. And, and, uh, clay aliens. And, <laughs> that and sounds some, like uh, some moldable monsters. Video some game monsters. No, no. No, Modelsters? No, okay. Okay, that um, one wasn't as So good. speaking of speaking of mold, this Professor Norman from the university, he's able to look at this the mold on the bandage, and he finds out it's the same as the handprints on the victims, right? Uh, and it's centuries old. Uh, the cloth uh, has myrrh, cedar oil, and sodium carbonate, all ingredients in the Egyptian embalming process. Like, okay, wow, you just knew all this stuff. And there's a... He knows everything. Honestly, it's just a really weird element to even think of. Because in the first place... Right. He literally just kicked dirt in his face, right? So it shouldn't even be like, you know... But it actual is. Actual dust from he the He knows everything. He's like the ba- Batman in this movie. Is he like, you know... I don't know. Th- yeah. Is he carbon dating all of this? He's like, oh, and the... It, enriching process of the they got the best guy to to figure all this stuff out how and it would probably be mixed in with american no there's a way there's a way to tell when you do chemical tests on things it'll change so there's a small also a small hieroglyphic on the cloth it's the same as the one found on the mummy of ananka that mold and this strip of linen both came from the body of a mummy the chemicals were used for embalming there's no doubt about it that inky hieroglyphic there 
is the same that's found on the body of the Princess Ananka. It dates back uh, almost oh, about 3,000 years to the reign of King Amenophis, her father. But whether you are ready to accept it or not, we are dealing with the presence of the living dead. How does he know? And it dates back 3,000 years yeah, to the time he, of her father, he Amenophis. Oh, how did you know that? Okay. How did you know that at all? Like yeah. really? Like what? Yeah. And have, instantly, like, the instantly, like, the the, you the scientist the in your he goes, "We're dealing point. with the living dead." He just goes straight to it. So the sheriff is now. He goes, "Okay." Now he's on the search for a walking mummy. But in the meantime, we get an interesting thing. John Banning. He he gets his he gets called up to the army 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 medical corps. He gets to be a doctor for the army uh, in World War Two which has been going on for 30 years. He wants to do it. It's just bad, bad timing. Yeah, just casual things to come action. Right, that's here. right. I remember that. I remember the that. 70s, uh, though at the point of things to come, though at the point of things to come, it was... Yeah, I remember that. It, yeah, it they had that Mad Max Fury Road out It had there. that boss guy with the, the, the fuzzy... even the first uh, Mad Max. The fuzzy vest or whatever his name was, the boss guy, the chief. So what ends up happening is they're like, oh, well, for some reason... John and Isabel could go ahead and get, they have to get married so she can leave with him. I don't understand that. I thought you used left wives at home on the home front. And if you got married, then you could, you know, maybe she could you know, be with child. So when you come back from the war, you'd have like a little five-year-old kid or something. I don't know. So what ends up happening is Mehmet Bay finds out about the, the wedding thing. And this is, and again, folks, this is an hour movie and this is all happening very fast. While he's just hanging around, he notices things, which is, that's what Mehmet Bay does. He just wanders around town. He finds uh, John and Isabel sharing a kiss, talking about the wedding preparations. And he goes, I'm going to make Isabel my bride. She will bear me future high priests and they'll live together in, with immortality from the town of leave. That is the same thing that Andoheb had a had a thing that he wanted to do. I think maybe I think what did he want her to be, have be like the Princess Ananka's reincarnation or something? I don't remember. So he has only seen Isabel twice. Andoheb actually uh, had a real conversation with Marta before he decided that she was going to be his forever. It just doesn't make sense. Okay. So I guess this guy only needs two looks and that's all it took, right? So John is like, I want to have a proper ceremony. I don't want to like just go to the judge's office and officiate this thing. Mamet Bay is at, is at his crypt area and he's thinking about what he wants to do. And he brings Karis out and he's like, I want you to go and not kill somebody this time. I want you to go kidnap Isabel and bring her back to the crypt. And for the first time, you see some emotion from Karis. He's like, bro, no, nuh-uh. This is, no, this is, mm-mm. I am going to take on to myself a wife, Karis. A wife. Do you understand that? The one, the one who is supposed to be the bride of the last of the banning. The one whom it was ordained I should find. Together we three until the world crumbles and there is no longer a stone or a rock or a tree or a blade of grass. That is my will, Karis, and you shall obey it. He's just kind of like, yeah, and he's almost like, he almost is like he's his hand is like it. starting to go towards Mehmet to kill him. He's like, I'm going to kill you. Nope. Mm, don't kill him. You know, his hand is like crawling over. That's honestly just. It's, I again, think it's the best scene in the movie. We're using the word weird here, but you know, it's like, why did they make this he decision? He does, he does know. some acting, some body, he does some body and face acting. That we see that's, 
a couple new things. Yeah, Karis Car- is disgusted, but even things, though he's disgusted, but, you know. he can't disobey the order, so he's got to go get Isabel. This reminds me of, like, Frankenstein's monster being told, you got to go, you know, he's, he's going to go kidnap, like, a woman or whatever, just kind of that feel to it. Or, or Cesar uh, going after uh, that girl, you know, in uh, Cabinet Co- Dr. Caligari. I don't, right, sneak exactly. in. Exactly. So he's Capture able to carry her, even though his arm is withering and useless uh, at most times. And the mother of... Uh, Isabel, Mrs. Evans, she catches sight of her daughter being lifted through the window and she and she goes to go tell. So I think there's a time where doesn't Karis run across a farming guy who's taking care of a horse? That's uh, Glenn Strange, right? Doesn't he meet him at this time? But it's it's a it's a cameo. He just sees him real quick. And then, because Glenn Strange just played small roles until they went, uh, well, because in a couple movies, he starts playing Frankenstein like twice, three, two or three times. So that's that's the, that's that's kind of a little nifty little yeah. fact to know, but that's about it. So the sheriff, is he he's listening. Yeah, okay, we got a mummy situation. So he gets a torch mob together, and some of them are used from clips from Frankenstein, as you said. Pitchforks, tiki torches. Everywhere, yeah, everywhere in Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and yeah, Wolfman and, and then, that had mobs in it, they say. And I would guess these aren't exactly yeah. from the movie exactly, because uh, I would say that they're different, yeah, you yeah, know, that, cameras, different takes, but they're yeah, all for the same project. It kind of, so it kind of it fills out the scene a little bit. It makes the crowd look it. a little bigger than they were or whatever. Or, and then you also, or just so John uh, Banning, he's talking to the crowd and telling them a little bit of back background and stuff. And no, no, there's not a flashback scene, thankfully enough. One of the mob guys, remember the torch mob, he, he goes, oh, I, I, I know something. Uh, the new caretaker at the cemetery, uh, he's, he's been talking, and he's really like a chatterbox, and he go, he's, he's talking all about Egypt, and he quotes a lot of passages out of his Egyptian Bible. Did I hear you say something about Egypt? That's right. I've been out to the graveyard, Sheriff. And I was talking to the caretaker about a final resting place for myself. Yes. And the caretaker spoke all about Egypt and quoted a lot of passages from his Egyptian Bible. So like, oh, okay, so Mehmet Bey can't keep his mouth shut, and that's why he's going down. Mrs. Evans runs up and says, Isabel's gone, and they're like, now we're going to torch mob it up. Um, So they're going to go over to the cemetery, I think, or to head that way. In the crypt, Isabel wakes up. She fainted, of course, because why wouldn't you if you saw Lon Chaney, you know, in bad makeup? Sorry, Jack Pierce. Coming coming through. He, she she is strapped down uh, <laughs> yeah. to a coffin. Exactly like the first movie. Brought in with both arms, put in onto a altar, I guess. Strapped down to an altar while an apprentice of the Seven Jackals talks about I want to be yeah, immortalized with it's, you. It's, I'm in bad. love with you and stuff. I feel like... Yeah, he says to... uh, Mehmet Bey says to Isabel, he says, it is your destiny to achieve the greatest honor that can come to a woman. That that creature... Harris, you have nothing to fear from him. He has brought you here to me because it is your destiny to achieve the greatest honor that can come to a woman. You will become the bride of a high priest of Karnak. No. No. For you, I'm going to forsake the teachings that have been handed down to us for generations upon end. The secret that has kept Karis alive all these years can be ours as well. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, he says, uh, he he goes about it, the, uh, the dialogue, in a little... Isabel out back and hide her. Mehmet Bey pulls, uh, grabs a gun, 
Oh, see, see, Shadow, Shadow the Hedgehog didn't have a gun, but Mehmet Bay does. No, no, Sh- Shadow does have guns, and so does Mehmet Bay. That's what I just said. All right, so he exits out of the crypt. He comes up behind the <laughs> exactly. torch mob, and he tries to stall for time. You gentlemen wish to see me? Yes. You have some explaining to do. What have you done with Isabel? With whom? Up to now, I've only asked questions. Do I have to use another method to make you speak up? Well... I know nothing of any such person, Effendi. The mummy, Isabel, through the woods. Benny! Well, for those who defile the temples of ancient Egypt, a violent death shall be their fate. He, he goes, I don't, yeah, I don't know. This is, yeah, I don't he's know any like, of this stuff. what are you talking about? Look at me, I'm right, wearing a cap. Exactly. I'm totally not but that dude. One, you of the, uh, one of the search parties that has seen uh, Karis carrying Isabel, and he like, and he says it, and, Mem- and Mehmet pulls out his gun and tries to shoot John to, I guess, because he's, you know, he's the next, uh, he's the husband of the guy, the girl I want. Yeah, and we have Karis in the middle of this house, and everyone why did Karis? You know, why did Karis go back to her, like running away? Uh, the house was he like? Oh well, my master's dead, or was he taking to Isabel back? Like this is where I stole people, Isabel. I I'm gonna put her back. I'm just gonna leave. So because my ma- he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm free. I'm gonna put I'm her free. back like I, I bought her I, a I, target. I'm gonna just put her back. Hey, no, hey, hey, guys. No harm, no foul. You know, hey, you know, my my bad. Yeah, but this time the mob are throwing uh, torches up into the uh, manor, and so the manor uh, right. is but, starting but John to starts coming flame. in there, and it, there's there's oh, I like this scene a little bit because because the you know the flames are barely well. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's John just waving John the run, torch at him. Like really, man, is that gonna do much? Unless unless it's like a bear. John still, runs like, uh, in the house and he comes up the do? stairs. He gets knocked down the stairs, but the, and the stuntman lands on the torch, uh, which is awesome. That's that's great. I love those little mistakes that that are you know kind of like that kind of add to it. But you're like, well, how many did he actually get burned? How many broken bones? Yeah. So Karis is on the balcony with Isabel in his arms, and they're lobbing torches. You know. Uh, so what ends up happening is he holds him at bay with the torch. No, <laughs> no. At uh, Bay. Gets, yeah, nice. He gets uh, just at the John gets one. Isabel lifted to safety and starts to uh, confront him. What ends up happening is it's just burning. Yeah. And Allah goes to Frankenstein. The whole place is burning down and crashing upon him. And it's still a bit of a great scene. You get, uh, overall in the scene, you get different, like, rooms of the manor as well as, like, the balcony outside traveling around it. Which, some of that atmosphere is pretty cool, honestly. Seeing some of that as well as, you know, the But how is he going to survive? How... You know, just that How is he going to survive for the next two movies? We don't know, but um, then we uh, he he dies. Yeah, quote unquote. But it doesn't say it doesn't he say dies. the end. And you get a newspaper headline well, that says the reign of terror is over. Um, and it, and you know, on the back of uh, and 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 toward the rest of the newspaper, it says, okay, we got a newly married couple, John and Isabel, and it shows them and they got married. They're 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 slipping away to the train station, and they got a bunch of uh, people throwing rice and confetti at them. I guess you wanted like a little, uh, a nice little uh, end uh, capper, mo- you know, a happy ending capper. Some people are like they sometimes they'll be like we've seen a couple of movies where a castle will blow up. And we see them escape, and then they just stand there. That's it. The yeah, but time we did. I think continuing we, their life. We saw that with Ghost of Frankenstein. The, you know, uh, again, we get a, ha- a house burning down, and we get a couple walking off into a romantic sunset or whatever. And this one, they're going off into the sunset, but they're married. So I think that they're trying to have people leave with a smile on their face. You know. Oh well, yeah, but this movie. 
certainly is a movie. There's certainly, I, I definitely will say that the most enjoyable part of it is the atmosphere, you know, seeing that, you know, 40s clarity and j just the different shadowings is really gotten nailed down. And I, I do like the mummy as a, as a monster, as a creature. It, yeah, it, it, it is campy. Cap. Let's talk about Cap. Um, well, How they don't lean it. They don't movie. lean into it uh, completely. Uh, I, you know, if you want a, a good example of camp, I would talk about Batman, the n series from the 1960s. You know, everybody would take things would speak very matter of fact and seriously when you know. Of course, it's ridiculous. Everything's ridiculous. You know, they, they they you know you would say, well, uh, I have my bat shark repellent. And they'd be like, oh, okay. You know, and when, when they don't they don't treat it as a joke, but it really is a joke. You know, that's that's part of that is that's camp to me. I, that's not really a really good definition, um, but but that's what it is to me. Is yeah, but I will say that the campiness is sort of debatable. But if you do like camp, you could probably watch a bit of that movie for those two reasons, and probably unfortunately those two reasons only. It's it's a little bit sad to see. Basically, it's just the previous movie with a little bit more sausage topped on it. And then that's really it. it. It really doesn't... In fact, you don't really need to have watched this movie. A lot of the times, sometimes that that's a bit of an oxymoron. Let me restart. There will probably be many instances with these movies that you can... That you could probably skip... So that you could start somewhere and not need to know what happened before or after. Especially since, with, in the case with the Universal monster movies they don't adjust for the fact that there's going to be a sequel because they don't know that there's going to be a sequel or what's going to happen in the sequel really um for a, a decent amount of them you know and and well, it's just you know st sequels stacked upon sequels they're sort of self-contained you know the monster dies but then uh you don't need to know much well about yeah the this this movie know, this oh, movie is not camp again, uh, you know? because uh, i mean Let's just say, okay, Su uh, Susan Sontag uh, kind of defined a little bit of what uh, camp is. She said uh, it's like it's being playful and anti-serious uh, as well as exaggerated and, ar and artificial, um, ostentatious, affected, theatrical. Um, and I, I don't think this, this, this meets that. Um, I feel like the more campy horror over the top. Are obviously, you know, you know when yes, the sixties and seventies embrace that. Sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties especially could be yeah. The, the 80s and 90s campy stuff, campy stuff, still else. showed up. It just wasn't Entirely, as much because people you know. were like, "Well, that's yeah, that's not what we're looking for." So sixties, seventies, a little bit. It's like, have uh, you seen the new Ghostbusters block? I I would say I would say something you know, campy from I guess from later would be like the Austin Powers movies, I guess. But they're but but they're still they're still set yeah, firmly yeah, yeah. in they're sixties parody, so obviously that's where that's coming from. But um, yeah, so a little bit of nostalgia. Yes, yes. But anyway, uh, we're well looking forward parody. to uh, our next movie, Return of the Vampire. It does. And our, it's actually weird to think about this, but this is our penultimate movie of the season. Yeah, and the but last what movie makes this, this movie, if it's, I don't know, Return I haven't seen Vampire. it, so I don't know if it's amazing or not. The thing that I've heard is that it's the return of, honestly, uh, of, well, of, Be of, of Bill Lugosi. <laughs> it, it's the return of, and he, he's, he's playing a count well, yeah I, I guess you could say no, it so is. but it's Walt he's playing a count it's not, it's not Dracula but it, it might as well be the way he acts but um, we're, it's basically let, let's see you know Bill Lugosi as Dracula again um, of course we will see him again as as, as his character Dracula uh, when he plays him in um, 
uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which we'll do, I think, I don't know if that's next season or whatever. Uh, I think it might be. But uh, the other the other thing is, it, it's, it, yeah. And again, Bela Lugosi has sort of been dethroned, and this is sort of him clutching what um, yes. levels left that yeah. he can attain, which in this it's case starting is probably to go, a lot of he's B gonna, movies. He does a lot, he does a lot of these in, little so. B movies, Monogram and, and, and Monarch, and, and kind of, you know, these lower, he just kind of does what he what he can at this point. And, and some people have a, you know, they, they shoot up like a rocket, and they come down really hard, and so I think both him and Lon Chaney would do that. Lon Chaney took a little bit longer to do it, but it happened. Um, but that's it. Yeah, though, keep in mind he died uh, uh, which in person? Uh, 56, remember? Yes, he did, and he died uh, uh, before he finished uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. So we'll have to see what they did to fix that. So this is starting yeah. to get, you know, into his later years of his life. You probably wouldn't know it. But you know he was. I, I guess he was. He was. A, he was addicted to. Uh, he was methadone. And honestly, what is he was what, addi- what is it with? He was with addicted us to methadone, which is like a, a replacement uh, for heroin or morphine. Yeah, and uh, that's partially what got him. Yeah, but it's, uh, oh, it's funny on. how much we've talked about old people, and I'm just. Ma- I'm making note of that because you know me. You are nowhere. A, I'm closer to old than. I'm, I'm far far closer to old than you are, and so I can give you. I'll give you some tips. But yeah, it, it's a bit hard to think about and correct. Well, are you going to? You know, I'm not elderly, but elderly I can give you some, some of. I can give you some of my opinions on that. I mean, these movies are decades old, so you know. I, I guess we've represented them fairly well. Tune in next time yes, for Return yep, of the Vampire. That's what's going to happen. Vampire Returns. Yep. That's all I know. And yeah, and, uh, and William's going to ask me questions like, "What's that's it like that's being that's old, Dad?" <laughs> Bye. Uh, see you around. Don't forget to open your third eye and telepathically message us at cinefanpod at gmail.com. Set your chronoscope dial to the future setting and peruse cinematicfanpodcast.wordpress.com. Hunker over your ham radio as your keen ears listen for the ghostly voices tweeting on our Twitter at cinematicfanta1. Exchange all of your money into Republic credits and donate at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cinefanpodcast ending transmission now